This is Murder Bucket. Good evening, Murder Bucket family, and welcome back to Tuesday. I know we've been gone for a little while, and that was due to having an episode every other week and my child getting me sick. But we are back with another installment in our Last Supper series, and tonight is actually part one of two as we discuss the German serial killer, Fritz Harman. I don't have anything interesting to discuss for our week weekend recap, but I am asking for your thoughts and prayers for my family. Yesterday, my brother texted me that our 94-year-old grandfather fell in his garage and hit his head. We aren't sure exactly how long he was actually out there before he was able to get up, go inside, and ask my 93-year-old grandmother to call 911. My brother said that there is extensive bleeding on his brain, and while he is slightly coherent and able to hear my brother and my grandmother, the doctors don't believe that he is going to make it much longer. I am especially asking for those thoughts and prayers for my grandmother. My grandparents lived at home still. They had a nurse's aide that came to their house to help them out every once in a while, Um, But of course, both my grandparents are very stubborn and did lots of things on their own. They lost my mother, their youngest child, in 2017. And then my uncle, their last remaining child, died in July. So besides my brother and I and a few distant relatives, my grandparents are all there is. I can't even begin to imagine how hard this is on my grandmother, So I am, again, just asking for those thoughts and prayers for her because we need to figure out what the next steps are for her, whether she is going to live with somebody or somebody is going to come to her home to help her or she is going to move somewhere or if she is not going to be on this earth much longer. So I appreciate whatever that you can throw up, whatever you can say, whatever good thoughts or prayers that you're able to do. It's much appreciated. We are now going to move on to tonight's episode. And again, this is going to be part one of two for the German serial killer Fritz Harman. I'm going to apologize in advance if I mispronounce any names or locations as this does take place in Germany. Stick around to the very end as we do have a short true crime news corner for November. Fritz Harman was born on October 25, 1879, in Hanover, Imperial Germany. He is the youngest of six children to Johanna and Ollie Harman. He was a quiet child and had only a few friends his own age. He was very much into playing with dolls and developed a passion for needlework and cooking. He was very close to his mother. Fritz's father had a very short temperament and often had little to no time for his children. While married to Fritz's mother, he had several affairs and was known as a womanizer. His parents remained married until his mother died in April of 1901. When Fritz started school, he was prone to daydreaming. His grades were very low and had to repeat years several times. By 1884, he finished school with permission from his parents. 
After leaving, he was briefly employed as an apprentice locksmith, but shortly after, he enrolled in a military academy, and his training began on April 4, 1895. Fritz adapted quickly to life at the military academy and performed well as a soldier trainee, but it all fell apart five months later when he suffered from periodic lapses of consciousness. This was described as anxious neurosis, and he was eventually diagnosed with a form of epilepsy. Due to this diagnosis, Fritz left the military academy and returned home to work in the cigar factory that his father had established in 1888. This is when Fritz's life took a turn. At the age of 16, Fritz lured several young boys to secluded areas and sexually abused them. He was arrested for his first offense in July of 1896 and was placed in a mental institution in the city of Hildesheim in February of 1897. He was certified as being incurably deranged by a doctor after a psychiatric evaluation. He was then sent back to the institution in May of 1897. Several months later, he was able to escape with the assistance from his mother and fled to Switzerland. He lived there with a relative of his mother's and got a job as a handyman in a shipyard. While there, he became engaged to Erna and she became pregnant with their first child. Sixteen months later, they moved from Switzerland back to Hanover. In 1900, Fritz received notice that he was up for his required military service. Fritz deployed to Alsatian France in October of 1900 and served in the No. 10 Rifle Battalion. He quickly earned the reputation of an exemplary soldier and excellent marksman. He later described his time in the military as being the happiest of his entire life. But during an exercise with his battalion, Fritz suffered several dizzy spells and had to be hospitalized for several months. He was later declared unsuitable for military service and was discharged on July 28, 1902. Because he was discharged from the military under medical terms, he was awarded a monthly pension of 21 gold marks. According to Wikipedia.com, gold marks was the currency of the German Empire between 1871 to 1918. Fritz and Erna returned to Hanover and he began working in his father's cigar factory again, but soon filed a maintenance lawsuit against his father, claiming that he could not work due to the ailments that he got in the military. The lawsuit was contested and the charges were dropped, but a year later, Fritz and his father got into a fight that initiated another lawsuit against him. Even though the charges were dropped due to the lack of evidence, Fritz was ordered to undergo psychiatric examination. He was found not to be mentally unstable. Several years later, Fritz and his fiancée Erna opened a fishmongery. According to Google, a fishmonger is someone who sells raw fish and seafood. Fishmongers can be wholesalers or retailers and are trained to selecting and purchasing, handling, gutting, boning, filleting, displaying, merchandising, and selling their product. During this time, Fritz also attempted to be an insurance salesman before he was officially classified as disabled and unable to work. His monthly pension slightly increased in 1904 due to this. That same year, Fritz terminated the engagement after he accused Erna of having an affair with a student. Because Erna owned the fishmongery, 
she requested that he leave the premises at once. After Fritz and his fiancée called it quits, he decided to live a life as a criminal. He was a petty theft, a burglar, and a con artist. While he had many different jobs, he lost those jobs due to stealing from his employer. In 1905, he was sent to prison several times for offenses such as larceny, embezzlement, and assault. Between 1905 and 1913, Fritz robbed tombstones and graves and spent those years in jail off and on. In 1913, Fritz was arrested for burglary. When police searched his home, they found a hoard of stolen property that linked him to several other burglaries. He went to trial, was convicted, and sentenced to five years in prison. During the final year of his prison sentence, Fritz was ordered to work throughout the day in the grounds of various manor houses near the town of Rendsburg, with the instructions to return to the prison every evening. This was due to a shortage of manpower during World War I. In April of 1918, he was released from prison and first moved to Berlin before returning home to Hanover, where he lived with one of his sisters before he was able to get his own apartment. During World War I, though, Fritz claimed that he fell into poverty and had to return back to a life of crime. He started out by trading and purchasing stolen property at Hanover Central Station. He established several criminal contacts to which he could trade in contraband property. This is when Fritz began to establish a relationship with law enforcement and became an informer. He would redirect the attention of the police from himself in his own criminal activities and to facilitate his access to young men. By 1919, he patrolled Hanover Station and provided police with information relating to the city's extensive criminal network. Several times when his property was raided by the police, he would be arrested along with his contacts so that there won't be any suspicions. Between 1918 and 1924, Fritz spiraled even further. He ended up committing at least 24 murders. All of his victims were men between the ages of 10 and 22. They were all lured back to one of three addresses in which he resided. They were typically given food and drink, and then Fritz would bite into their Adam's apple or strangle them. They were then dismembered before their bodies were discarded in the Lina River. His last known victim was thrown into a lake near the entrance of the Herrenhausen Gardens. When Fritz was arrested, rumors started that he ate the flesh of his victims or sold them on the black market as pork or horse meat. When asked where he acquired the meat, he claimed he got it from a butcher, but after police spoke with the acquaintances, the story changed. This is where he received the nickname the Vampire of Hanover. Fritz's first known victim was 17-year-old Friedel Roth. Friedel disappeared on September 25, 1918. His friends told police that he was last seen with Fritz, who lived in a single-room apartment. Friedel's family pushed the police to raid Fritz's apartment, and when they did, they found him in the company of a semi-naked 13-year-old boy. He was charged with sexual assault and battery of a minor. He was sentenced to nine months in prison. Somehow, he was able to avoid serving his sentence all of 1919. During this time, he met 18-year-old Hans Granz. They began a relationship shortly after meeting and moved in together quickly. 
And now we're going to move into the victims that we know Fritz murdered in 1923. On February 12, 1923, Fritz met 17-year-old pianist Fritz Frank. He was invited back to his home where he was introduced to Hans Granz and two other friends. The very next day, Hans came back to Fritz's apartment to hang out and found Frank's nude body on the bed. Several weeks later, on March 20th, Fritz met 17-year-old Wilhelm Schultz. His remains were never found, but most of his clothes were found at Fritz's apartment. 16-year-old Roland Hutch was reported missing on May 23rd and is believed to have been murdered at Fritz's apartment. Many believe that he ran away from home to join the Marines, but there is no definitive evidence that was found to back this story. Fritz was seen wearing a yellow overcoat that was owned by 19-year-old Hans Schofeld. He disappeared around May 31st. His body was never found. Fritz moved into a new apartment on June 9th of 1923. Just two weeks later, 13-year-old Ernest Ehrenberg disappeared. His suspenders and school cap were found in Fritz's apartment. Two months later, on August 24th, 18-year-old Heinrich Strube was reported missing. Many of his belongings were found in Fritz's apartment. 17-year-old Paul Bronischkowitz disappeared in September. It was speculated that he got on a train and headed toward Hanover, where he encountered Fritz. When Fritz was arrested, the police found Paul's jacket, knapsack, trousers, and towel at his apartment. On September 30th, 17-year-old Richard Graff was last seen by his family and told them that he was meeting a friend who would get him a good job. He was never heard from again. On October 12th, 16-year-old Wilhelm Erdner didn't return home from work. His parents learned that he became friends with quote-unquote Detective Fritz Honerbrock, a.k.a. Fritz Harmon. Wilhelm's bike was sold by Fritz on October 20th. Two other victims were killed by Fritz just a few days later, 15-year-old Herman Wold and 13-year-old Heinz Brinkman. On November 10th, 17-year-old Adolf Hannapel disappeared from Hanover Station. He was seen by several witnesses sitting on his trunk in the waiting area and then speaking with Hans and Fritz in the cafe. A month later, on December 10th, 19-year-old Adolf Hennes disappeared. There were no human remains found, but Fritz later told police that he dismembered him. And now we're going to move into the victims that we know Fritz killed in 1924. Fritz killed 17-year-old Ernest Spiker after he was reported missing on January 5th. Ten days later, Fritz killed 20-year-old Heinrich Koch. 19-year-old Willie Singer disappeared on February 2nd. He told his sister he was going to meet up with a friend. On February 8th, 16-year-old Herman Speechert disappeared after being last seen with his sister. Fritz stayed quiet for several months, not killing again until April 1st. He is believed to have killed Herman Bach. Even though he was cleared for this, several of Herman's possessions were found on Fritz at the time of his arrest. On April 8th, 16-year-old Alfred Hogriff disappeared from Hanover Station. He had been reported as a runaway. 
16-year-old Wilhelm Apel was murdered on April 17th after he met up with Fritz near Hanover Station. Several weeks later, on May 9th, 14-year-old Heinz Martin was last seen by his mother. It is believed that he was abducted from Hanover Station. All of his clothes that he was last seen wearing were found in Fritz's apartment. On May 26th, 17-year-old Fritz Wittick was dismembered and discarded in the Lina River. On the same day, it is believed that Fritz killed 10-year-old Frederick Abling, who disappeared from his school. Two weeks later, on June 5th, 16-year-old Frederick Koch was approached by Fritz while walking to college and never heard from again. On June 14, 1924, Fritz killed his final victim, 17-year-old Eric DeVries. His body was dismembered and found near a lake near the entrance of the Herrenhausen Gardens. He later told police that it took him four different trips to carry his dismembered body. He carried it in a leather bag that belonged to his previous victim, Frederick Koch. In two weeks, we are going to pick back up with part two and discuss his trial, the aftermath, his life in prison, death row, his execution, and everything in between. Before we wrap things up, we have... A jury found Sam Bankman Freed guilty on all seven criminal counts against him. He faces a maximum sentence of 115 years in prison. He was convicted of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud against FTX customers and against Alamedia research lenders, conspiracy to commit securities fraud, conspiracy to commit commodities fraud against FTX investors, and conspiracy to commit money laundering. Desmond Mills pleaded guilty to federal charges and has agreed to plead guilty to state charges in the death of Tyree Nichols. Both federal and state prosecutors have agreed to a recommended sentence of 15 years. He has also agreed to cooperate with federal and state investigations. More than a dozen people were injured when a gas line was struck in Wappingers Fall, New York. The explosion caused the destruction of a home. The jury found Aurora, Colorado police officer Nathan Woodyard not guilty of homicide and manslaughter following a week-long trial in state district court for the killing of Elijah McLean. Defense attorneys stressed that Woodyard was not there during crucial minutes when McLean's condition was deteriorating. Body camera footage seen by jurors showed Woodyard stepping away from part of the confrontation. The Coast Guard rescue crews are still searching for a 30-year-old man who fell overboard in the Atlantic Ocean off of an MSC Seascape cruise ship. A gunman opened fire at a Walmart in Ohio, wounding four people before killing himself. Police believe the attack was racially and ethnically motivated. Mm -hmm. The Burlington Police Department in Burlington, Vermont, says it has arrested a man in connection with the shooting of three young men of Palestinian descent. Two of the men are currently in stable condition, while the third has sustained much more serious injuries. Sierra Leone's president declared a nationwide curfew after gunmen attacked the military's main and largest barracks in the West African nation's capital and then overran detention centers, including a major prison. And lastly, 27-year-old Ryan Fournier, the co-founder of Students for Trump, 
is accused of grabbing a woman's arm and striking her in the forehead with a firearm. He faces two misdemeanor charges, which include assault on a female and assault with a deadly weapon. Before you head out tonight, please take a moment to listen to this promo from my friends at Ghosts on a Train podcast. We interrupt this program to inform you about the new radio drama, officially sanctioned by the immortal emperor himself, Ghosts on a Train. Ghosts on a Train is all about the pride of Duskwall and the courageous but eccentric line bulls that keep our railways safe. Let's hear from the bulls now. Andrew Anderson, badge named Dunville. The best thing about being a line bull is definitely the train. Back at the orphanage, I shared my room with 20 people, and now I only share it with three. Ooh, plus the food's way better. Plus there's a hot tub, and I swear that someday... Yeah, we only have so much time. Adric, a.k.a. Drix. Badge name Colburn. Close calls, huh? <laughs> that was a wild one, but, uh, you know what cowboy never rodeos entails. Oh, that's unhelpful. Pippin' Pip McKeel. Badge name McKeel. Well, I think it's best to bear the train. It's an unintelligible mumblings of a drunken. Ah, well, listen to Ghosts on a Train, a Ghost Lines actual play, releasing every other Thursday on a podcatcher near you. Thanks for listening. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all your Murder Bucket updates. 